Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 228 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today, and our focus is on what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Oh, wait, I mean, our focus is on what is love? And why is God's definition of love radically different than what you and I think of when we think about love? Well, every day we dig into the Word of God, one chapter at a time, sometimes two chapters at a time. We often get around 10 minutes a day in the Word of God, maybe a little bit more. And our goal is to get you and your friends and family and neighbors involved in daily reading listening and following the Word of God. So 1 Corinthians 13 is certainly one of the most wonderful and majestic chapters in the entire Bible, a masterpiece of writing. As a writer myself, I so appreciate how well written it is, Uh, but also the theology and the teaching is even more beautiful. To understand this chapter, it really helps to have a little bit of context about the Corinthian church and why 1 Corinthians was written at all. So Paul went to the city of Corinth and planted a church there, working a side job, making tents to support his ministry efforts. In addition to that tent-making discipleship kind of approach he took in Corinth, Paul also spoke about Jesus every week in the synagogue. And after a while, Paul was kicked out of the synagogue by abusive Jews, but not before Crispus, the synagogue leader, and several other of the Jews in that city were saved by believing Paul's gospel proclamations. Despite fierce opposition from some other Jews in the area, Paul and the newly baptized Jewish people of Corinth, along with some Romans and also some Corinthian Greeks, formed a house church. Now, apparently, the opposition to that fledgling church was so fierce that Paul considered leaving, but God encouraged him in a vision one night to stay in Corinth, and he did that for like a year and a half, strengthening the church there. You can read about that in Acts 18, 9 through 11. Later, after Paul left, the church was beset with leadership strife and had many questions for their founder. And 1 Corinthians is Paul's kind of letter of reply to them, answering their questions in correcting some of their divisive and foolish behavior. One of the main questions they had appears to be about spiritual gifts, and they were a congregation that was so strong in the operation of those spiritual gifts that Paul noted in the opening of his letter to the first Corinthians in chapter 1 that they didn't lack the presence of a single gift in their midst. They apparently had them all. And pastoring churches for uh, over 25 years now, I can tell you, that's kind of rare. But This church, unfortunately, did lack something much more important than the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, the want of which was causing all kinds of controversy and division. They lacked love for each other. And you can see that in Paul's opening appeal in 1 Corinthians 1.10 when he says to them, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, that but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So, a large part of the solution to that problem of disunity was what Paul is going to write for us today, or did write for us today in 1 Corinthians 13. A Holy Spirit-dictated definition of love boiled down perfectly so that we can understand the kind of love God is calling us to. Well, let's go ahead and read the chapter, because it's better than any commentary you're going to get today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have 
have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So to help us understand this passage better and the glorious truth it communicates, let's focus on five words from 1 Corinthians, just five words to give us a great grasp of what love is. The first word is nothing. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit here says through Paul in his word that we can have what is potentially the highest and most potent spiritual gift available, prophecy, and that gift is worth all of nothing without love. Nothing. We can have the most obvious, stirring, controversial spiritual gift, the gift of tongues, and apart from love, what is it worth? nothing. We can have an incredibly impressive knowledge of the Word of God, a master of divinity degrees and PhDs to spare, but paired with a lack of love, what is that knowledge worth? Nothing. We can have incredible faith, like the genuine kind of faith that actually moves mountains. And if we don't have the kind of love that Paul describes here in 1 Corinthians 13, what does that faith amount to, says Paul? Nothing. Nothing. We can pour out our lives on behalf of the poor and the hungry and the orphan. We can sacrifice ourselves. And if we do not do it with love and in the kind of love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13, how much does that count? Nothing. We can even suffer and be martyred for the kingdom of God. But if it's not done with and in love, it counts for nothing. Ponder that. Meditate on that. Honestly, it's astonishing to hear this. It shakes you a little bit, right? Well, second and third word, the words patient and kind. The second and third word to focus on today is patience and kindness. I believe that since Paul listed these two descriptions first when he's describing love, then the first two characteristics of the kind of love that he is writing about are patience and kindness. There's no such thing as biblical love that is not primarily characterized by patience and kindness. Consider this illustration. Some very dear friends of mine a few years ago had trouble with a snake in their house, and they told me later on that they considered calling me for help to help uh, to extract that snake. Now, that is usually a bad sign when people encounter a snake, and the first person they think of calling for help is the preacher. In this case, I believe that the reason they called me is because I spend a lot of time in the woods and have captured snakes before on a few occasions, and 
I hope that's the reason they wanted to call me and not some sort of uh, uh, thing to do with snake handling or anything like that, which I've never been a part of, never want to be a part of. No, thank you. But let's say my friends actually did call me. Now, they didn't, but let's say they did. My first question would be, can you describe the snake? And if the first two things they said was something like, well, it had four legs and brown fur, I would stop them right there and say, hey, you're not dealing with a snake at all. Similarly, and I know that's a weird illustration, but I think it'll help you understand this. Love that is not patient and not kind is not biblical love. Well, how do I know that? Because it's right there in black and white, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Love is patient. Love is kind. Now, we talk about, quote, tough love from time to time, and I will admit to you that love must be incredibly persistent and not spineless. But that said, if your brand of love cannot be primarily described with the words patience and kindness, then you might have a furry four-legged, quote, snake on your hands. In other words, to speak even more plainly, love that is not patient and kind is not love, and therefore, it is nothing. In the same way that U.S. paper money that is not greenish and rectangular is not worth anything, love that is not patient and kind is not worth anything. Now, some astute readers might now might be thinking something along the lines of, you know what, Paul's understanding of love sounds kind of naive. And yeah, I'll admit it does, in a sense, mainly because the lover in this case leaves themselves so vulnerable to pain and injury. And in that regard, I will know that there are two main types of people that don't worry about being hurt. Number one, the truly naive and oblivious. And number two, those who are ultimately protected by a mighty power. That said, the bottom line is that 70s one-hint wonder band Nazareth had it right. Love does indeed hurt sometimes, but when we walk in the kind of love that Paul describes for us today, we can also walk in the assurance that we will be protected as we love by the God of love. Fourth word to think about, the word long-suffering. Love will suffer. Another word for patience used in verse 4 here is the word long-suffering. That's what long-suffering means. It, it's like a strong version of the word patience. And the definition of the Greek word there that's translated as long-suffering is to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. Love bears all things. Love protects. Love endures all things. In this day and age, we have a saying, I'm done or I'm so over, you know, him or her or whatever thing we're over. And those expressions are not applicable to love. Why not? Because love never fails. It never quits. It doesn't give up. It bears all things. And yes, therefore, it suffers. Think about 1 Peter 2, 20. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And consider this beautiful thought from John Piper. Wherever there is love, there is pain. Love love suffers long. It endures all things, bears all things. This is realism and therefore it's comforting. If two people or 2,000 people are in a relationship of love, all will be hurt and all will need to suffer long and endure and bear all things when dealing with each other. Finally, the fifth word that we're going to think about today in this passage is the word greatest. Love is the greatest thing we are called 
to do. Love is the greatest thing we are called to, period. Nothing is more important. God is love, says 1 John 4, 8. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, says John 3, 16. The greatest commandment is to love God and love his people, says Jesus in Matthew 22, 36 through 38. And then he also says, by this, by love, all will know you are my disciples. If you love each other, as John 13, 35, according to Jesus' answer to the question of what is the most important commandment, the highest and greatest and most important thing that God calls us to do is to be lovers of God and lovers of people. And 1 Corinthians 13 outlines for us quite clearly what love should look like. It's patient and kind. Well, allow me to close with this little exhortation, as I often do, with some words of wisdom from our friend Charles Spurgeon. He says, The grace of charity or love is absolutely essential to true godliness. So essential is it that if we have everything else but don't have love, it gains us nothing. The absence of love is absolutely fatal to vital godliness, so says the Holy Spirit in this chapter. When you read the Apostles' high accolades of love, then, do not say this is a fancy virtue to which certain special saints have attained, and we are bound to admire them for it, but we don't need to imitate them. Far from it, says Spurgeon. This love is the common, everyday uniform of the people of God. I'm going to read that again, because that's a fantastic quote. Spurgeon says, The kind of love that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13 is the common, everyday uniform of the people of God. It is not the prerogative of a few. It must be the possession of all who call on the name Jesus. Do not, therefore, however lofty the model may be, look up to it as though you could not reach it. You must reach it. It is put before you not only as a thing greatly desirable, but is absolutely needful. For if you excelled in every spiritual gift, yet you had not this kind of love, all the rest would gain you nothing whatsoever. Strong words from Brother Spurgeon. Speaking of, let's read again our definition of love because it's our verses of the month for August. 1 Corinthians 13 through 4, 4 through 6. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, friends, may the Lord empower us, and may we strive in his name to walk in the kind of love that Paul describes for us here today in 1 Corinthians 13. Good day to you and Godspeed.